Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. If you're new to this podcast, what we do here is we take a look at the Gospel reading from today's Catholic Mass and we really pull it apart. We really get into the text to see what it's saying on the most fundamental level. What is it? What is the original author trying to say in their original context? So this is called uh, doing an exegesis of the literal sense of the text. So uh, really getting into the text and finding out what it meant to its original hearers. And that's where we're supposed to start as Catholics. And in doing so, doing it this way, hopefully it will bring us closer to God and understanding what Jesus uh, wanted for his disciples. And I know so many of you have benefited uh, from looking at the Gospels in this way. So we're continuing to move through Matthew at this time in the liturgical year. We're looking at Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 16 today. So this is one long parable, and it's quite an interesting one, a bit of a mysterious one. Here's the text for today. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner going out at daybreak to hire workers for his vineyard. He made an agreement with the workers for one denarius a day, and then sent them into his vineyard. Going out at about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You go to my vineyard too, and I will give you a fair wage. So they went. At about the sixth hour, and again at about the ninth hour, he went out and did the same. Then at about the eleventh hour, he went out and found more men standing round, and he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You go into my vineyard too. In the evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his bailiff, Call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with the last arrivals and ending with the first. So those who were hired at about the eleventh hour came forward and received one denarius each. When the first came, they expected to get more, but they too received one denarius each. They took it, but grumbled at the landowner. The men who came last, they said, have only done one hour, and you have treated them the same as us, though we have done a heavy day's work in all the heat. He answered one of them and said, My friend, I am not being unjust to you. Did we not agree on one denarius? Take your earnings and go. I choose to pay the last comer as much as I pay you. Have I no right to do what I like with my own? Why be envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first and the first last. Really interesting parable here. A bit of a longer one, and it's often called the parable of the householder or house owner. There's different names for this particular parable, but usually it's Uh, we try to distinguish this one from other parables that Jesus gives about his vineyard because he often uses uh, vineyards in his parable. And this is not the parable of the vineyard. That's actually a different one. So this one we're looking at today is the parable of the house owner or householder. The context here is going to be really important. So Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem for the last week of Jesus' life. So they're walking to Jerusalem from Galilee And he knows that he's going to die there. So it's all sort of moving in that direction. The very last thing Jesus said to his apostles at the end of chapter 19, if you read in your Bible, the very last line of chapter 19, he says is, the the last will be first and the first last. 
Now, that's also how this parable ends today. So, apparently, this parable is supposed to be about the theme, the last will be first and the first last. It seems that what's happened here is that at the end of chapter 19, because this is probably on the same day, Jesus has was talking to them about the last will be first and the first will be last. The apostles apparently didn't understand that. They don't get the principle. That's why Jesus gives them this parable. Jesus gives them the parable of the householder to help them understand that principle. In fact, he explicitly states at the end of this parable that that's the whole point of the parable. It's trying to teach them about this principle. The last will be first and the first will be last. So the kingdom of heaven, according to Jesus, is like the parable of the householder in some way. It's the first will be last and the last will be first. And apparently this parable is supposed to explain that in some way. So that's our starting point here. So in today's exegesis, I'll do things a bit differently. I'll talk firstly about uh, the parable as a whole, as like the literal uh, the literal image that Jesus portrays in the parable as a whole, as in what, what that would look like if we could visualize the parable playing out. And then we'll try and do an overall interpretation of what it might mean. So let's start by thinking about the literal visual scene that Jesus describes here in his parable, the setting of the parable. So there's a landowner. So for that reason, it's sometimes called the parable of the landowner. And he would be a wealthy person who owns land. And in this case, he owns a vineyard. And that would be pretty common in the first century Israel for them to own land, to have rich people owning land, particularly vineyards. And on top of that, God as a vineyard or as a vineyard owner, is a common metaphor in the Old Testament. So as soon as Jesus starts talking about the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he mentions a vineyard, probably to his hearers it would have recalled, particularly those passages in Isaiah, where God himself is depicted as the vineyard owner, and his people are depicted as the vineyard. So already that should tip us off as to what some of the meaning of this parable might be. So in the parable, there's the landowner, who needs workers for his vineyard. So he goes into town to find some, some people who need work. So he goes in at daybreak, which would be 6am in that culture. So 6am early in the morning, he goes and finds some workers for his vineyard. The first people he finds who are willing to work, he hires them and he agrees in advance to give them their wage. And he says he'll give them one denarius. So in that culture, uh, you had to pay workers daily. So he tells them up front, what's your daily wage going to be? And he says, it's one denarius. And that's basically an average day's wage in that culture. So that happens at 6am, but he realizes he still needs more workers for his vineyard. Maybe it's harvest time. So at the third hour is what our text says, and that will be 9am in our, in our time. So at 9am, he goes and finds some people who are looking for work in the market. He hires them as well. But with them, he doesn't make any explicit agreement about how much he's going to pay them. He doesn't tell them that. He just says to them, I will give you a fair wage. That's what he says to them, and they agree. He does the same thing again at about the sixth hour. So that would be 12 p.m. And then the parable goes on. He does the same thing at the ninth hour. So at 3 p.m., he goes back into the market and finds more workers for his vineyard at 3 p.m. And then lastly in the parable... He goes and finds people at the 11th hour. So the 11th hour is 5 p.m. It's nearly the end of the day, but he's still getting workers. They will probably only work for one hour because it would get dark at 6 p.m. But still, he wants more workers. So he goes at 5 p.m. 
At the end of the day, so the evening comes around, it's time for the landowner to pay his workers. And Deuteronomy 24, verses 14 to 15, is the background here. It says you must pay your workers um, daily. So that's what he does. He gets his bailiff. That's what our translation says. So that's like his steward um, to help him work out the wages. And he gets the steward to pay the wages. In the story, everyone gets the same. Every single worker that worked on that day gets one denarius, regardless of what time they started work. So the first group who he got at 6am, who've been walking, working the longest, they grumble at the, uh, at the landowner and they say this to him. The men who came last have done only one hour and you have treated them the same as us, though we have done a heavy day's work in all the heat. So basically they think he's being unfair and they've got a point, I think. And that's certainly the way that we tend to think in Western society as well is, you should get paid for what you work. And that's kind of the principle that they're thinking um, as well in the parable. So they think the landowner is being unfair. The landowner's response is kind, but it's firm. And in fact, the parable says he just takes one of them aside. So it's a very personal conversation he has here. And he says to them, I'm not being unfair. Basically this, I'm not being unfair. I'm giving you what we agreed on at the start. That is what you agreed to. So he's right about that, actually. They did agree to one denarius. Now, in addition, he goes on to say something else to these men who are grumbling. He says basically this, I can choose to pay each worker the same if I wish. It's my money and I can do with it whatever I want. So in this case, the landowner is, we'd have to say he's doing this. He knows that he's giving the last workers, the ones who came late, he knows that they haven't earned it, but he's choosing to give them the same wage as everyone else. So he's giving them a free undeserved gift for this last group um, because that's what he chooses to do out of his generosity. He gives them an undeserved gift. And then the last thing he says here to these grumbling uh, workers, he says, why be envious because I am generous? Interesting line there, isn't it? Um, More literally, it says there is your eye evil because I am good. And In that Jewish culture, it's a very Jewish way of basically saying, why do you hold a grudge? To have an evil eye was to have like vengeance and a a grudgeful spirit. And one translation puts it this way. I think this is good. Do you begrudge my generosity? So that's the end of the parable. And then Jesus finishes this part of the text. He just has one short phrase to round out what he wants the apostles to understand. He just says this to them. Thus, the first will be last and the last first. That's what he wants his apostles to take away from that parable, which is a bit of a head scratcher, that one, because it's not, it's not entirely clear how that all fits together. I think we can say this, that phrase, the last will be first and the first last. How does that relate to the parable? Well, in the parable, it would mean something like this. Those who started working last got paid first. And that's actually true. That's what happens in the parable. And those who started working first got paid last. That would be the most fundamental meaning that Jesus wants to convey there. But what's the point of that? Why even say that? There must be some theological meaning to this parable. How can we interpret this parable? It's been interpreted numerous different ways. Scholars have not agreed on what the right way to interpret it is because Jesus doesn't give us much information and it could be interpreted different ways. I think there's two minimum things we have to deal with. If we're going to come up with a right interpretation of this parable, there's two things at a minimum that we're going to have to address in our interpretation. 
So firstly, we have to say that whatever our interpretation is, that phrase, thus the last will be first and the first last, that's the key phrase that Jesus is trying to communicate. That's how the kingdom of God works, right? So that's the key principle we have to address. What does that phrase mean? And secondly, I think we also have to reckon with particularly that last line. There does seem to be something in that last line that the that the householder says when he says, why be envious because I am generous? There's something telling in that line and our interpretation has to um, take account of that because it does seem to be a very directed thing that Jesus has included in there. What does this all mean? Lots of different interpretations. I think there is one interpretation that makes the best sense of the immediate context. Not many scholars have gone for this one, but I just want to share it as the one that strikes me as the most immediately obvious. But you're not required to accept this. This is just uh, one view amongst others. So I think the answer to why Jesus told this parable is based on what happened at the end of chapter 19. At the end of the last chapter, his disciples did not seem to understand the principle of thus the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, at the end of chapter 19, his point there was that those who are prominent in this life will be the lowest in the afterlife, and those who are oppressed in this life will be exalted in the afterlife. That was the point he was trying to make at the end of chapter 19. So now we get to chapter 20, and maybe the disciples are thinking something like this. Well, that doesn't make sense. How can that be fair? Because Jesus has just said that uh, basically God's justice completely reverses the way the world works. And so perhaps the disciples are thinking, that doesn't make sense, that can't be fair. That's very concept in Jewish thinking. Because, remember, the Jewish mindset at the time was, if you're successful in this life, it's because God has blessed you. And Jesus is turning that on its head. And so maybe the disciples are struggling with this. So on this interpretation of the parable in front of us today, maybe the basic point that Jesus is making is something like this to the apostles. God is God, and he can give the reward of eternal life to whoever he wants, even those who don't seem to be holy or blessed in the world's eyes. That would be the the interpretation. If this is the right interpretation, it means we shouldn't read the details of the parable too literally. We shouldn't read into each of the characters and try and find an exact match. Jesus is just making a general point that God is God and he can dispense grace and give eternal life to whoever he wants. And I think that's a fairly decent interpretation. Um, and we don't have to do any, any more work than that. Now, what's the? we should try and look at pros and cons of each interpretation here. One advantage of the interpretation I've just laid out there is that it deals well with the whole point of the parable. Jesus expressly says the point of the parable is to explain the first will be last and the last will be first. It does seem to deal with that context pretty well. But there's a disadvantage with the interpretation that I've just given. It doesn't seem to deal explicitly with the aspect of the parable where all of the workers get the same reward. How does that fit into Jesus' teaching here, because we know that that's not the way the afterlife works. It's not the case that everyone gets the same reward. In fact, Jesus even said that in chapter 19. He said that some people will receive more rewards than others. So we don't have an entirely satisfactory interpretation there. Another interpretation would say this. Maybe the parable we've heard today is very similar and, in fact, equivalent to the prodigal son parable. Remember, in the prodigal son, uh, the son is goes wayward and then he comes back and the father accepts him even though he's done terrible things and the older brother is jealous. 
So in this case, the people in the vineyard in our parable today would represent sinful people who turn to God late in their lives and they receive the same reward of eternal life as the older brother who has always served God. So you can see the parallel between the two parables there. And like in the parable of the prodigal son, those who have been working for God longer complain about God's unfairness. And then, like in the prodigal son, God has to explain why, in fact, he's not being unfair at all. So that would make sense um, that he's saying the same basic meaning as a prodigal son parable. What's the advantage of this interpretation? Well, it deals well with the details of the parable, doesn't it? And we know that that's what the parable of the prodigal son was all about. So it does fit in with what we know about Jesus' teaching in general. It also explains that line in there where the... Um, the landowner goes into the marketplace and he sees them standing around and he says, why are you standing here? So it's like they're just waiting for someone to come along, waiting for work. And so that might hint at it's people who are lost without salvation. They've got nothing to do. Um, They're lost. There's a disadvantage with this sinner interpretation, though. If this parable is basically about sinners, it doesn't seem to fit with the immediate context because Jesus hasn't been saying anything about sinners at all in chapter 19. And it also, again, it doesn't deal with this rewards aspect in heaven. So, um, again, maybe not entirely satisfactory explanation. So, um, I'm giving you these different interpretations so that you can um, weigh up which ones you think make the most sense to you. And you choose which one you think makes the most sense. um, Because scholars are certainly not um, sure what Jesus meant by this one. There's one more interpretation, and this one has got a lot of attention. So, this one could be right, possibly. This interpretation says the parable is about the two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. So in this case, the um, workers who come in early in the day represent the Jews. The Jews have been serving God for a long time in the old covenant, whereas the Gentiles or the people in the kingdom of God are the newcomers or the latecomers in the day. And yet God still gives both them the same reward, eternal life, both people in the old covenant who serve God well And Gentiles in the New Covenant, who serve God well, they both get eternal life. So Jesus is generous to both. And you could say, despite the complaints of the Jews, the early comers, really there's no injustice here. God can give salvation to whoever he wants. So this parable fits nicely with what we know about salvation theology and the way God has given salvation in different covenants. It would also explain why Jesus gave this parable, because he's speaking to the apostles, right? And he knows that they're going to be the future leaders of the church. He wants them to understand that God has opened his kingdom to all people, not just Jews. A disadvantage of that, though, is it doesn't really fit with other things that Matthew focuses on in his gospel. Often Matthew focuses purely on the Jewish aspect of things in his gospel. It would also mean that the parable is basically about Jews and Gentiles and covenants. And there's really not a whole lot in the immediate context about covenants or about Jews and Gentiles. Jesus has not been talking about that. And again, like the other two interpretations, it doesn't give us a satisfactory explanation of the rewards aspect. How can it be that they all get the same wage in the parable? And yet we also know from other passages that not everyone gets the same reward in heaven. So it's really hard to sort of see how it all fits together. Um, And that, to me, suggests that we shouldn't take every detail of this parable too literally. It's just making a more general point. We shouldn't press the parable too far in this case. We certainly shouldn't build our theology on this parable because it's a little bit too ambiguous. 
There's also a whole lot of spiritual interpretations which have been proposed for this parable. Throughout the centuries, um, church fathers have looked at this parable and have tried to apply it in a very specific way to the individual believer's life. And so you'll hear some interpretations, particularly in the church fathers' time, particularly Origen and Basil the Great, they both said that this parable can apply to the stages of life at which people might turn to God. And they're quite specific about it. They say that the people who start working early clearly represents people who convert to God early in their life. Um, And it goes on from there. And of course, everyone in the parable receives the same reward, eternal life, even though they might have turned to God at different times. And of course, that matches an aspect of what we know as well. Again, though, it doesn't seem to fit anything about the context. So we've looked at four different interpretations. Which one is the right one on the literal sense? It's not entirely clear. I think the first one I offered might be the best one because it deals well with the context of what Jesus had just said to the apostles. However, that could be entirely wrong. So that's one that's worth um, thinking about, perhaps doing some more reading on if you're interested in hearing what different scholars have to say about it. So that is the end of our text today. Uh, there's no particular catechism references for us to look at today, but I do want just want to talk you through what happens in the next part of Matthew because it all gets a bit uh, disjointed in the lectionary. So we're halfway through Matthew chapter 20 now, and the next part of the Gospel of Matthew is spread across different times in the liturgical year. So usually, uh, we, in uh, ordinary time, we follow the Gospels through pretty consecutively, so we look at Um, things verse by verse. Every day we pick up where we left off the previous day, and that happens most of the time if you look at the lectionary. But from this point on, it all gets um, spread out across um, the year. So the very next passage is Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 to 28, and that's when James and John's mother come and ask Jesus if they can have um, the positions at Jesus' right and left hand. That is read on Wednesday of week two in Lent. And there's an exegesis of that available in the podcast archives. If you look for Wednesday of week two in Lent, you can chase down that very next bit. The part after that is Matthew 20 verses 29 to 34. That's when Jesus heals two blind men. That is never covered in the lectionary. So if you want to hear an exegesis of that uh, last part of Matthew 20, that will be covered as a bonus episode through the Patreon page. So have a think about whether you might be interested in that. Have a look at the show notes. Then we get into Matthew chapter 21, and the start of that is Palm Sunday. So that reading is read on Palm Sunday in year A. From there, halfway through Matthew chapter 21, Jesus cleanses the temple and he curses the fig tree. Interestingly, those are never read in the lectionary. You'll never hear Matthew's version of Jesus clearing the temple or cursing the fig tree. So we will cover those as bonus episodes of the podcast as well through the Patreon page. Then Matthew 21 verses 23 to 32, that's when Jesus is confronted by the chief priests in the temple and he reads a couple of, he gives them a couple of parables. That is read on Monday and Tuesday of week three in Advent. So you might want to chase that down. Then Matthew, uh, then Jesus gives the parable of the wicked tenants. That is read on Friday of week two in Lent. And then Matthew chapter 22 Verses 1 to 14 is where we'll start for the next weekday reading. So that will be read on Thursday of week 20 in ordinary time. So we actually skip a whole lot in the weekday cycle. The next one you'll hear is two chapters later from where we are now. So you can see some of the next part of Matthew is spread out um, 
in Lent, some of it is in Advent, um, some of it is on Palm Sunday. So we're getting very close to the last week of Jesus' life. In fact, the next time we do a weekday reading, which will be the Matthew 22 on Thursday of week 20, it will already be the last week of Jesus' life. So things are coming to the end very quickly here. So we'll end today's podcast there. We've done things a bit differently today, but um, I hope you can see what we've tried to do in giving you the information about different interpretations. And we'll see you next time.